Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Kate, aka Genex Gmo. She is an activist, a leftist, an anarchist, and a machinist coming to us from Pennsylvania. On the show, we discuss the duopoly and geopolitics. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. She's a mom, she's a grandma, she's an anarchist, she's an activist, and she's also a machine operator. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. So what's it like being a machine operator working in a male-dominated field, uh, in a field that requires, you know, it's blue-collar and requires um, physical, um, you know, strength and, you know, you got to work your body, you know what I mean? You're, you're a tool yeah. of production, you're a wage slave just like I but you, your, your line of work is very, very physical, very taxing on the body, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. It, my dad's uh, a, my dad was, I guess, he just retired. But that's what my dad did, a machine operator. So I'm pretty familiar, <laughs> you know, with the career. Yeah. It's tough. He's beaten up. He's in his uh, 60s now. Uh, but yeah, f- physically, beat him up for sure. Yeah, well, I'm 54, so I feel it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also feel the... Uh, the misogyny and all that good stuff too. So that's always fun. Yeah. So it's always fun to be set up to fail because they want to see the female fail because I shouldn't be there anyway. And you know, yada, yada, all that. So So you're in my old stomping grounds of Pennsylvania. I follow it closely. Um, You know, uh, born and raised, but I've moved around since, but I still follow, you know, Pennsylvania politics and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I've lived all over the state. Um, what's going on in Pennsylvania? I saw uh, Fetterman. I know a lot of people like him, uh, state senator, uh, on the left. But he's very, very um, outspoken with his support of Israel and, um, I guess, their right <laughs> or whatever to exist and to continue to carry out genocide um, against the Palestinians and you know their ethnic cleansing going on in Gaza right now. But maybe we'll get to that uh, Israel stuff for sure. But what's going on in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania politics and Fetterman? What's the you know you got some oh. boots on the ground there? What's going on there? You know, Fetterman seemed like he was just a smart aleck and had a sense of humor and whatever. But now he's just antagonizing his base in a way that's just really unbecoming. I should say, you know, it just really, we were supposed to feel bad for him. He was depressed. He had a stroke and all this. And, you know, and now he's just acting like an ass, to be honest, you know? 
it's just it, it's very sad. I, I had hopes for him, um, you know, with the marijuana legalization, which is happening everywhere around us, but not in Pennsylvania. And um, now not so much. Yeah, I just, you know. Well, um, I yeah, I think I think Fetterman has said some good things. I think he was kind of came out as like anti-corporation, at least, you know, some anti-big business, big money stuff. Um, oh, he's not anti-fracking and has never been. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, so that to me will not make up even before the Israel thing. It, do, it doesn't make up for the marijuana legalization if you will not back off from fracking. So yeah. that that was already a deal breaker for me a long time ago, as far as he's concerned. Yeah, the fracking uh, has been a big issue in Pennsylvania and with throughout the, I guess, the Rust Belt and um, uh, you know the Marcella Shale um, deposits. Uh, fracking very environmentally destructive. Um, I guess it contaminates groundwater, poisons yep. you know the soil, all sorts of bad stuff. I've seen some documentaries on it, but yeah, that continues to um, go on there. And I think there's big fights you know against it, but of course the big money and big oil and fossil fuel, <laughs> the fossil fuel industrial complex, obviously they are in support of it. A lot of big money in support of it. So even though the majority of the population is in opposition to continuation of you know fracking and destruction of the environment, it continues on doesn't it right yes yes unfortunately yes and i also tweeted this too outside of gaza i had a podcast on with robert durden i think we were on wednesday night um oh, which okay. i hadn't been um a political fight club i hadn't been aware of this and uh, i saw it um in a article on instagram or something along those lines and he was the first to mention it to me that apparently there is a 500 billion dollar i think he said trillion dollar oil field just uh, off the coast of gaza the article that i read said maybe 500 billion dollars no one really knows you know until you actually get in and yeah i think i had heard 5 billion dollars um 500 yeah. billion yeah, yeah 500, 500 billion. billion and there's also colton there which is um what they are genociding and ethnic cleansing and slavery in Congo. Um, Seven million people have been displaced there. So, yeah, it's um, and also one of the Ukraine officials, not to change the subject, just came out and uh, is admitting to the blowing of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Yeah. So. Yeah, that essentially is cutting um, Europe or maybe Germany off from Russian oil and fossil fuel reserves. I'm not too familiar with the Nordstrom stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it, it um, Nord Stream, it um, really screwed Germany. It screwed Europe. Um, there's also um, news of another canal that's happening, uh, rivaling the Suez Canal. That's part of this, the ethnic cleansing um in Palestine, Endgame is another canal they're talking about building, and they're trying to compete with the uh, is it China's Belt and Road Initiative? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's just all geopolitical. Yep. Economic warfare. Yeah, that's what Robert Jordan was talking about, this canal, which I, I don't follow as much politics or I, I follow a ton of politics, but not as much media, the mainstream media, because it's a lot of trash. But every now and again, you can find some pearls sprinkled in, usually at the bottom yeah. of the articles. But he had mentioned the canal, too. I guess they want to take the canal right through Gaza. So 
Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe only Netanyahu and his, um, you know, group of criminals and psychopaths know what they want to do there. But I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, Israel just completely takes over Gaza, never lets the Palestinians return. Well, and then, you know, what's going to happen to the... Completely, because yeah. if they do not eliminate them completely, then they won't have the total claim to the profits that they'll receive from these oil fields. Okay. So they've got to eliminate all the Palestinians. So they will have complete claim. Because think about it. Why would they be so obsessed with a five by 25 mile stretch? Right. When yeah. they have the rest of the country, it's more than that. It's more than just the proximity. They want to make sure that they have complete and total rights to whatever they bring up off the coast of Gaza. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I heard that that's where they want to take the canal through is where, right where Gaza stands today. Uh, and I read some stuff like some propaganda about this being like a war, but of course it's not a war. The violence no. is almost always one sided no. in this conflict. It's ethnic cleansing. It's a slaughter. Yeah. It's genocide going on. And it's pretty yeah. much the violence is one sided. Although, you know, pockets of resistance and Hamas, unfortunately, you know, innocent Israelis, um, you know, have been, have been killed. And I'd never, you know, I never, um, support, you know, the killing of innocent uh, Israelis, but, you know, obviously what uh, the Israel well, government just, is doing is much worse. I think it's very telling that his very people in Israel have been protesting him for months. months. No, no doubt. That's a good thing. I mean, the... the, the um... But I feel like he's weaponized this Palestine situation against them as well. No doubt. So Robert Durden actually brought this up that Israel actually funded Hamas, much like yes. um, much like I guess the Democrats fund right wing reactionaries and right wing yes. you know Republicans and stuff like that. So that's kind of how politics works. Um, Netanyahu and his right wing government needed a bad guy. They didn't want to just wipe out innocent Palestinians. They needed some sort of nameless, faceless, you know, kind of demon, you know, some kind of demagogue, so which allows them. me to uh, let me quote um, H. L. Mencken here. I uh, just wrote this down as we were, um, you know, kind of pre on the pre-call. H.L. Mencken wrote his book, and much of these goblins and, uh, you know, boogeymen that we're, I'm about to quote here uh, was communism until it fell, you know, in the 19, was it 89 or 91, something like that. I think it was late 80s. Uh, but, you know, for, for decades, you know, the boogeyman was communism. But once that fell, now we have the boogeyman. And it's the war on terror, you know, this nameless, faceless yeah. war on terror. But, of course, uh, the, the United States is a leading people. terrorist state. And Israel um, is a client state, you know, carrying out essentially um, terrorism supported by, you know, U.S. power interests, the military industrial complex and whatnot, uh, as, you know, Israel is essentially a uh, military outpost. So to allow the United States to control the Middle East oil reserves. But H.L. Mencken wrote in his book in defense um, that the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed. Uh, by an endless series of hobgoblins, most of them imaginary. So Hamas, not necessarily uh, imaginary, uh, they exist, but they were, I guess, from what I've read and talked about now, uh, created by Israel and supported by Israel, uh, just like, you know, the CIA didn't they didn't they support the the Taliban prior to invasion yes. of, of Afghanistan? And uh, so, you know, the, these these power centers, these governments all over the world create terrorists. I, I tweeted this yesterday. Uh, the Israeli government is creating terrorists uh, more quickly in the Middle East um, because of what they're doing. 
quicker than they can, you know, slaughter innocent Palestinians. I think a lot of people around the world are, are watching, you know, what Israel's doing. It's creating a lot of violence, you know, violence, uh, resistance against, you know, Israel and the powers uh, that be, you know, supported essentially by the United States. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to add to the violence. So uh, they, they have this mythical war on terrorism, but in fact, um, they're increasing terrorism and uh, Israel is a leading terrorist state and the United States is the leading terrorist state, rogue state in the world. Uh, I've quoted this before, but I think like half of weapons transactions uh, and shipments and all that kind of stuff involve the United States. So we are, um, you know, the leading terrorist state and, you know, we have, we, we carry out more violence than any country in the history of the world, you know, kind of combined. Yeah, it makes me think back to when I was a kid and they were, uh, it was the PLO. Back in the day, it was the PLO and the terrorists, the PLO, and on and on and on. And I just think back and I'm like, just how much of it was a lie? So much of it, they've just spoon-fed this nonsense to the American people for so, so long. And uh, it's just amazing to me that they're still tolerating it. What's the PLO? Uh, the Palestinian, weird. the Palestinian Liberation uh, okay. Organization. Was that before Hamas? I guess. Yes, that okay. was uh, that was from when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember it being on the news yeah. and them talking about quote unquote terrorist attacks. Right. And, and now I I look back at everything with a new lens. Definitely. And it just. Um, it's just going on for so long. Their lies have gone on for so long. And, you know, I've, I, I had been following the BRICS uh, summit and, and that and the, the multipolar polar world that's coming to be and the, the de-dollarization that's going to happen. What do you think about, <laughs> you know, the uh, the prospects for World War Three. I definitely um, I don't think it's gonna. I, th I think there's psychopaths like kind of controlling the world. I think the U.S. nuclear policy is mutually assured destruction. We were uh, very close during the Cuban Missile Crisis of ending you know humanity, but um, you know I guess through divine intervention and some luck, we've been able to kind of get through it. But um, yeah, I don't see it happening. I don't think Iran is you know. Uh, I talked on the podcast with Robert Durden again, not to bring it up, but this is kind of the main stuff we were talking about. Iran didn't take the bait. Like, you know, they didn't get involved in the conflict there. There yeah. doesn't seem like it's going to turn into world war three. It looks like the world is go just going to stand back and let, um, you know, Israel carry out this ethnic cleansing and genocide quietly. And, uh, maybe nothing will be done about it. But I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I don't want to see, you know, innocent, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to see World War Three. I don't want to see the prospects of human existence wiped out. Certainly not nuclear annihilation. Um, but you know, what I, I guess what I want to see not innocent civilians um, killed, but um, you know, I want to see a ceasefire. You know, as, as, as soon as possible, not just here, but in Ukraine as well. Kind of how media works in the manufacturing of manufacture of consent uh, in Ukraine. They're looked at by the media. There's a clear bias here in these conflicts for political you know reasons. But the Ukrainians, they are looked at as um, 
worthy victims. We're supposed to rally behind Ukraine, even though they're the most corrupt government in Europe. Uh, they've been friendly, the most corrupt government in Europe for a long time now. And the U.S. coup, I think it was 2014, the coup d'etat, putting in a, um, a puppet regime there. Uh, and the continued expansion of NATO right up to the Russian borders. The United States basically wants to you know, make the U.N. Uh, irrelevant and rule the world by force using NATO. And, you know, Europe, for the most part, has been going along with the master. But there's some resistance, a lot of anti-NATO uh, fervor in, in Europe and a lot of pro-Palestinian um, marches. I love seeing that. And um, also, you know, a lot of anti-NATO stuff going on, too. A lot of anti-proxy war stuff in Ukraine, all that, you know, it's kind of spearheaded in, in Europe. And, you know, the global south is already you know, had enough of um, the United States shenanigans and NATO and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I just I don't really think they're going to be able to put Pandora back in this box. I really don't. I really people are not going to forget. And whether Iran wants to be involved in the conflict flicked or not, like you said, they have not jumped in, but. The U.S. will draw them in is my fear. If they want a conflict, there'll be a conflict. But um, I don't know. I just I don't think it's going to go as well as they would like. I think when the Israelis go in there and they want to build their Disneyland on the top of other children's bones and their blood, I don't think it's going to end well. The United States is not going to end well because it's built on the same things. Settler colonialism, yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons it seems like ideological support for Israel has been so uh, great, you know, here in the United States. I mean, we're a settler colonial society. We exist. We are able to live here in this country because my ancestors, you know, essentially white Europeans, that sort of stuff, they came here and uh, exterminated the um, native population, the indigenous, the Native Americans, and, you know, now they're left in little cantons, you know, little reservations, pockets yep. throughout the country, much like the well, Palestinians and, and are the right now. too, look at how they did the Mexicans, how they just moved them over. Yeah. They just kept on moving them over. Like, it's, it's just, you know... I'm sitting down here in Texas, which at one point was Mexico, but uh, that was taken by gunpoint, uh, you know, in the, whatever, the Texas Revolution, and I think wasn't much of, uh, was it tech stolen from Mexico at gunpoint? It was like California, New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas, right? All those were, I think, stolen. Oh, it, was, it, it was over, it was so far, oh, yeah, Texas, oh, it's it's over towards Louisiana and Florida. Oh, wow. It's, uh, the one of the first maps I saw, it was just horrifying. Yeah. The whole bottom half of the United States, practically. Yeah. And the and then smaller and smaller and smaller, just like Israel did to Palestine. So let's maybe go back to the Israel stuff, but let's uh, let's let's reset here. Let's get let's get back to kind of your background a little bit. You're an anarchist, much like me. Maybe you could talk about your background a little bit, uh, your upbringing, that sort of sort of thing, and then maybe how your political views and how your perspective and you know how you understand the world, how it's changed maybe over the years, and how maybe you've been radicalized. So maybe start from start from the beginning and uh, tell me you know a little bit about your past and your political activism and kind of your beliefs now. Um, you know. I had a, a childhood where I was oppressed severely by a, a mother with narcissistic personality disorder. I suffer to this day with complex PTSD. Um, I'm much better than I have been, but 
nowhere near as good as I would have been had it not happened that way. Um, I know what it's like firsthand to be ignored, to feel invisible, to suffer and have people pretend like they don't notice because they're too comfortable to say anything. And it's just heartbreaking when I see anybody go through that, especially on such a huge scale like Palestine. It's just horrible and mind-boggling that the world could be so cruel. But at the same time, um, I've seen it. So, you know, um, we just have to admit it. We just have to admit that evil is among us and we have to learn to fight back. It's just all these struggles are connected. All of these struggles are us awakening. And, you know, and I've been through that, my abusive relationships and whatnot. And like you said, I'm in a male-dominated field. And I guess um, the reason I'm an anarchist is because I had to set my own rules. I had to re-raise myself. I've had to do things that people think that you shouldn't do or whatever. You're a woman. Why do you work so hard? Blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, I, I, I do work hard, but I can do it. And um, I just have had to follow my own rules in order to stay sane and survive. Because people will make up arbitrary shit to gaslight you and... That's what's happening to all of us. You know, MK Ultra was money well spent because most people have no awareness of what's really going on. And that's by design. And, you know, I think that we are building community. We are coming together. People standing up across around the world is, is a good sign. I wake up we are waking up so yeah i think that that's what media you know and, and kind of the uh institutions responsible for the indoctrination of the youth otherwise known as the educational system you know <laughs> we're, we're told a certain um you know we're told a certain story about the world you know with a capitalist spin to it you know so that we are sympathetic to the capitalist way of life um so there's you know a certain framing that the media that these academic academic institutions present to us, you know, we're, uh, again, I think I've mentioned it, but, you know, Ukrainians are worthy victims because for U.S., for whatever reason, you know, U.S. power interests want to weaken its military enemy and rival in Russia, and uh, the Palestinians, unfortunately, they're unworthy victims. We support Israel, so, yeah, fortunately, you know, some children have to be died and um, mutilated and massacred, and women too, um, you know, non-combatants, you know, men that are old or frail or maybe just, you know, not involved with Hamas or the military uh, resistance, you know, going on there. Uh, all these poor Palestinians, unfortunately, they're unworthy victims. They have to be wiped out, um, you know, because for whatever reason, you know, Israel and, you know, their continued imperialism and, and settler colonialism, um, you know, it's targeted as Gaza. Uh, we had mentioned again with the... Um, the, I think it was natural gas uh, deposits off the coast of Gaza. Uh, there's also the embargo of mm -hmm. Gaza, 
even though Gaza doesn't have a navy or really a standing army. So again, it's not a war, it's just kind of one-sided. But again, you know, these these kind of yeah. fairy tales and this way of framing world politics, you know, good guys and bad guys, that kind of stuff, that is, um, you know, kind of how it's presented to us. You know, it takes a, it takes a while. It takes a lot of work. A lot to better. I think it used to work a lot better. It's, it's it not working yeah. as well. It's yeah. not working as well because of TikTok and because of Twitter and it's just, it's not working like it used to. Yeah, I mean, this is the focus of this podcast, sounds like, you know, Israel-Palestine, but Robert Durden said, you know, basically across um, just just age, age and generations, uh, the boomers are most in support of Israel, while Gen Z, least supportive of Israel, uh, and more, you know, on the side of Gaza and Palestinians, um, and I, I don't support necessarily the Hamas government there, because they do a lot of bad things, and I think they they oppress the, the citizens there, too. I, that's why I'm an anarchist, you know, but I don't necessarily, like, to me, that doesn't mean, um, that doesn't mean, um, you know, like, chaos or nothing like that. I just suppose, like, nation right. states, these violent nation states with these standing armies that carry out violence in the name of, you know, the ruling class agenda, imperialism, you know, all those sorts of things uh, for self-interest, you know, and for the continuation and expansion of the capitalist economic system that runs the world. So that's why I find myself, you know, uh, as an anarchist. I don't support arbitrary governments or arbitrary borders, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I do, you know, support maybe what some people call anarcho-syndicalism or, you know, basically a socialist, um, socialist libertarianism where, you know, communities are structured around democratically managed and organized uh institutions workplaces that that kind of thing um where you know people have a say working class people have a say in policy development and you know how the community is run and structured and organized so that you know the the officials you know there's probably going to be some groups of people that have you know power in society there always are but i think we need to minimize that and dismantle it and um you know i would like to see uh, in the long run, you know, just kind of nation states loosely affiliated with one another, hopefully, again, structured around democratic workplaces, owned and operated by the workers, real working class representation. So if I was just to sum up anarchism to me, you know, in a couple of minutes, that's what I would call it. What's anarchism to you? What what appeals to you about anarchism? I mean, I think it's the self-determination as much as anything. Um, I mean, I, I do have some aspects of you know communism like the communal living that uh i think would be so beneficial especially with you know the village could really raise the child you know um as as families and as people were just were were too divided and i i would like to see us come together and live on more communally communal farms and just you know they have um some apartments in California where they did that and they just all came together and they just recycle and grow everything. And it's just, you know, I, that's, that would be my style of anarchy, you know, um, spiritually like organized religion is just, uh, is very oppressive to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that we just need the freedom of self-determination. Yeah. Without coercion, you know, and try and, some people trying to control manipulation. Others. Yeah, manipulation. I, I don't like a hierarchical hierarchical society. You know, placing some above others, and of course, that's what an apartheid state is—an apartheid right. state where you know some group of people um, 
you know, let's say Jewish people in, in Israel uh, have more rights than, you know, Muslims, Arabs, Palestinians, certainly. Um, and uh, Chomsky even said, you know, to call Israel an apartheid state, though, is a gift because it's worse than an apartheid state. Um, yeah. If you want to, you, you know, compare maybe, let's say, apartheid South Africa, um, the blacks were um, essentially the service um of the country. They did all the work and the labor and, you know, they were exploited, but they weren't, um, exterminated and killed. Um, right. but you know, they were, they were exploited. They were the, you know, essentially they did the work of the society, even though it was managed by a group of, you know, white elites. Uh, but to call, uh, Israel, that would be a gift because they are worse. They don't need the Palestinians. In fact, they don't want them. They want to push them away. They want to, you know, push them out or kill them, murder them, um, mutilate yeah, them. It's an extermination camp. It's ethnic cleansing. Yeah, I mean, Gaza is compared to, you know, the world's largest open-air prison or a concentration camp. I think that that's a, you know, act comparison. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a concentration camp or, like I said, an extermination camp. And, like, so... For, the United States has caused a lot of wars and a lot of refugees and killed a lot of innocent people for sure. But what we never do is take responsibility, which allows me to quote another one here because uh, kind of the world the world is ruled by force. I have these two quotes. I just was looking at them earlier today, and I, of course I brought them up now. Uh, but I think they're they're um, I think they they make sense here. So this one's AJ Musty. Uh, he's a radical pacifist. The problem after war is with the victor. He thinks that he has just proved that war and violence pay. Who will teach him a lesson? And uh, yeah, unfortunately, the world is like run by run by violence, and typically the rich and powerful they use violence to get what they want and to advance their agenda. Um, you know, typically winners of war don't uh, pay the price of war crimes. They're not. You know, Netanyahu's probably not going to be put on a war crimes tribunal, even though he's obviously. Um, you know, guilty of them. I think majority of the population of the world can see that. Um, but because they'll probably end up coming out on the winning side, unless there's some sort of dramatic change of events, um, just like in uh, World War II with the Nuremberg Tribunal, um, you know, the Allies, they bombed more civilian installments and cities um, than Germany did. But um, they didn't, they weren't guilty of war crimes. Uh, and they also didn't try the Germans for bombing uh, civilian uh, installments because they did it even better. So what they mainly did was, you know, tried them for the genocide and the Holocaust, but not the bombing of civilians. So typically, you know, when you win the war, you set the rules of, you know, law and order, you know, and how the world operates. And again, um, you know, the rulers and those in power, especially those that win war and conflicts and stuff, they write history and they are rarely, if ever, subjected to, you know, the same standards that they subject others to. Hypocrisy at its finest, you know what I mean? At the highest level. Yeah, well... That's that's true, but they're also spending millions and millions of dollars to win the hearts of my hearts and You're minds right. of people, and it's not working. Why are they spending all that money? They can rewrite whatever they want, but we're here to bear witness, and we will never let them forget. They I think it's an awesome thing, though. Uh, like sixty-six percent of Americans support the ceasefire, even though there's been a constant deluge of pro-Israeli. Um, Propaganda, and and even though that Biden said uh, when asked about a ceasefire a few days ago, he said absolutely. I think he said no to quote him. He said no, absolutely not. Something like no chance or something along those lines. Even though, so that's obviously anti-democratic when sixty-six percent of the population want a ceasefire, but those in power don't even they ignore the population. They don't really care what they have to say. 
but it's going to get to the point where they can't ignore us anymore. I it's hope so. It's getting to that point. It's getting to that point. It's it's happening. I hope you're right. So we talked a little bit on the pre-call um, about like anarchism uh, philosophy. That's what I really enjoy. And maybe some of our favorite authors, like Chomsky is one of my favorites for sure, but some of the classical philosophers. But uh, maybe you could talk about how your path of um, you know, political philosophy or, you know, how you view the world has changed. And maybe you said like Caitlin Johnstone and some maybe, maybe some other authors. Can you talk about uh, maybe some of your influences and things you like to read? Well, uh, I've really, a lot of times I try and balance uh, a lot of my reading with uh, some spiritual things. I read articles um, and stuff like that, but uh, I guess for me, it started with the whole Bernie thing, my political whatevers. Started with the Bernie thing. Um, after the second go round, the way they screwed in the second time, and then um, COVID hit, and I was home, so I started yeah. doing some research. Okay, that's when I started doing some global geopolitical research on my own. And um, started to see what was really going on. Started to see that the reason there are so many refugees is because of the the destabilization of the United States, of you know, from capitalism. And I've started to connect the dots, and um, you know, learn some uncomfortable truths as we do. And uh, that's when I started my Twitter account. And I've been working on that in earnest for the, about the past three years. I've got almost 3,500 followers. You know, it's just, I use it as a constant flow of information of things that I think that people need to see, take into consideration and open their eyes about. Um, because the first thing you need to do is to see what's going on around you really before you can start to deal with it, no matter what the situation. Um, and this is a situation where we really need to come to grips with the fact that we have to come together. The time is now. And everybody getting together and getting out into the streets like this in a way that I just never thought was possible. It just gives me so much hope. Even a year ago, people didn't talk about Gaza. It's, a, it's horrible that it had to come to this before people started paying attention. But people are. And I think that it's very important because people are connecting the dots. And as you said, the younger generations are not putting up with it. They're not tolerating it. They're, they're not falling for it. And that's going to be a real problem for them because that's their first line of defense is the propaganda and the brainwashing. When that stops working, I don't know what's going to happen. But. So the Trilateral Commission, I think that was published uh... – Following or during the Vietnam War, Chomsky was a big uh, Vietnam War protester and peace activist. Um, and he was also been writing about Palestine since at least the 70s. So some people have been talking about Palestine, but you know yeah. it's definitely gaining in popularity. But the Trilateral Commission talked about um, the de democratic deficit or what they might have termed the crisis of democracy. 
Mm-hmm. And that just means people are starting to get involved in politics. You know, the general population, um, they wanted a time when Truman, Harry S. Truman at the time of, you know, World War II, dropping the atomic bomb and the United States had about uh, half the world's wealth and six percent or six to seven percent of the world's population um you know at that time the you know truman could essentially govern the govern the country with a handful of bankers and you know corporate lobbyists and you know lawyers but things have changed there's the there's a there's a crisis of democracy people are starting to get involved uh and one of the problems that the trilateral commission which is essentially the left you know this is uh, i guess the carter administration that was responsible for writing um the the trilateral commission uh and I think some of the Pentagon papers that got um, exposed was they they blamed, and that's you know kind of what I quoted before the institutions responsible for the indoctrination of the youth, Gen Z, you know, and the millennials, you know, were a lot farther left than Gen X and the Boomers. That's typically how it is, you know. But things are really changing drastically. Gen Z is absolutely not falling for the propaganda, the pro-Israel slant uh, on the media. That's I think that's a great thing. So I am you know hoping that you know change. Uh, uh, you know, occurs, you know, significant change in my lifetime. We need to take this country back. We need to democratize society. Uh, and I also take the climate crisis seriously. Uh, I am an anarchist, so I don't support the nation states. There's a book by Chomsky, Internationalism or Extinction. You know, we need a democratic international world order that takes the climate crisis seriously or it's going to take us all out. You know, and maybe not me necessarily or people in my generation, but certainly the generations to come behind me, whether it's Gen Z or the generation after them. Uh, you know, we're going to have to, you know, really, we're going to start really seeing serious consequences to human life and existence uh, because of the climate crisis. We're already, you know, there's already a mass extinction event going on right now with the, you know, with animals and stuff and insects and the bees and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we're starting to, they're starting to, they're starting to be climate refugees. And, you know, so people, and not necessarily the rich countries, you know, this is more so the countries in um, some of the poorer countries in the global south. And I want to get to the refugee crisis. But I think, um, you know, first off, I don't think that war crimes uh, should should be carried out. You know, I think that we should take international law seriously. Uh, the chief, or I guess the you know the number one uh, rule of international um, law, you know, I guess with the Nuremberg Tribunal and all that kind of stuff, um, uh, would be you know aggression and all the crimes that follow it. So you know, invading another country uh, was essentially what Israel did and was doing right now. Um, but yeah, I think. Generally, though, a country that's responsible for creating the refugees, and I think, you know, climate refugees, that's the rich countries, but they should be responsible for taking in those refugees. So certainly I don't condone what Israel's doing, but they're creating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of refugees right now in in Gaza. And where are these people going to go? Israel should be taking these um, people in. But see, the problem with that is it's a a Jewish state. So, you know, putting uh, Jewish people above, you know, Arabs and Muslims and and things of that nature – uh, so, you know, potentially could be an apartheid struggle there, uh, but they don't want to take in the refugees. They're creating these refugees and they have nowhere to go. So the way I see it, though, if, if, if we, um, you know, took some of these principles seriously, I think the countries that create the refugees should be taking them in. So the United States and Israel should be taking in all, you know, two million or so refugees created in this Gaza crisis um, right now, but they're not doing that. So that's what I would think. I mean, how how can we how can we resolve this situation in in Gaza? I mean, certainly a ceasefire. But where are all these people going to go? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the people from Brooklyn could maybe go back to Brooklyn. 
Yeah, I mean the. Uh... Yeah, the, uh, yeah. These people have dual citizenship. There's sixty thousand Americans over there. Mm. Yeah, we should be taking them in though, for sure. Um, you know, the Palestinian refugees. I mean, some of them, oh, I guess. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But they shouldn't be ma- being made in the first place. I, no. I don't look at Canada like, oh, great Canada, because they're saying that they'll take in Palestinian refugees. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't impress me. No. Stop making the refugees to begin with. There's no reason why they couldn't even have just stayed there at right. the very least. Right. It's a five by 25 mile patch of land yeah. that they just had to have. Yeah. Why? A total agreement there. Yeah, total agreement. But the, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, they are created, so they got to go somewhere. I hope they can stay there. But it seems like Israel wants to annex that territory and take it for theirs. Well, and, you know, as well as I do, they won't be as well received as the Ukrainians, like you said earlier. So right. uh, I just yeah. don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen because even the well-established Palestinians are being treated horribly. So what can these newly expelled Palestinians, how can they expect to be received by the world? Yeah, I mean, probably some countries in the in the Middle East will, you know, step up and, and take them. But uh, I would hope so, because yeah. they haven't stepped up yet. So it'd no. be nice if they stepped up now. Definitely. Uh, let's go. Let's go to um, let's go to Bernie a little bit. Uh, I, I, I saw him come out and, and um, condemn, you know, some of the Israeli violence. But something I didn't see him say, and maybe I missed it, but I don't think he has a ceasefire. What's going on with Bernie? It seems like, you know, he's kind of changed since uh, um, he's been no, put in he's the... not going to talk about a ceasefire because he's having peace activists arrested outside of his offices. Really? I have heard that. Yes. I've seen uh, two instances of it now in the past couple weeks. Yep. So, yeah, he was one of the reasons I was radicalized. Uh, you know, not me, us, all that kind of good stuff. But it seems like, yeah. you know, since Biden has become president... He's been a much more kind of neoliberal, corporate-style Democrat. You know, maybe not necessarily corporations, you know, in support of them. But, you know, he's definitely seems like he's walking more of the party line. He's not really coming out. And, uh, like, I remember the old Bernie when he wanted to uh, run against Obama. What's it called when um, he wanted to... uh, He wanted to primary him. Yeah, Yeah. after Obama's... uh, Obama won the presidency the second time when he was running for re-election. I think he wanted to primary Obama, and he was talking about, you know, uh, all the things, that, all the shortcomings of the Obama administration. But it, but it seems like with the Biden administration, he's not doing those sorts of things. It seems like he's kind of changed his politics a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, he's been completely neutered. I have no idea how they did it, but they did it. Yeah. But you've seen him do it to AOC. You've seen him do it to Kamala. She can't even speak straight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they do to people, but they lobotomize them. That <laughs> <laughs> does seem like that a little bit for sure. Um, and let's let's go to religion. So you, you talked a little bit about um, being spiritual, but you you know see problems with religion as I do. I would kind of call myself agnostic. Maybe talk about your religious beliefs and uh, um, how you see the world and how it impacts your you know the way you see things. You know, I, I, as I see the world and the spiritual realm as a vast sea of possibilities. I do um, research uh, on alchemy, among other things, just anything, everything, Buddhism. I, I just do research. I think that anything's possible. 
I like to believe in reincarnation. Sometimes I love to believe in karma, uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I like to, I would like to believe in other dimensions as well. You know, past, present, future, all it's, uh, existing at the same time. I just think the possibilities are endless. That's where I come out at. Yeah, I like to do I, some Zen Buddhism. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like some Eastern philosophical stuff. I've read some Zen Buddhism. I actually just purchased uh, Zen in the Art of Archery. I'm really excited for it. A lot of people said right. it's a good book. Uh, I've read a lot of Zen stuff. I mostly stay with the Western philosophical tradition, although I do like Eastern philosophy, past, present is one, all that kind of stuff. It's definitely of interest to me. Um, and yeah, I think I see a lot of ties to Zen Buddhism and the universe. It seems like, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think there's a lot of scientific, um, uh, you know, rhetoric or whatever mixed in with the, you know, the, the study or whatever of, of right. Zen. And I, I really dig it. It's kind of a cool and different that's the way. Same way with alchemy. That's why I like alchemy. And, um, it, it, because that's what it is. I have this great book and it's all these drawings, uh, from over the centuries, of of explanations of the sun moon and stars and just like and th that's the same thing it's it's kind of um scientific it, it's all math everything's math <laughs> yeah so yeah it's neat yeah i love i love like old timeless wisdom i find that interesting mm -hmm. that's why i read I, a lot of the ancient I, it, classic I, philosophers I think that that's it's a real key to what we're going through because I there's so much knowledge that has has been hidden from us, so much on so many levels, on, on the levels of of who we are as spiritual beings. I think it's all interconnected. All that knowledge has been hidden from us. I think yeah. there's things that that you know, like Tesla and and his inventions, just things like that. I think that there are a lot of things that are have been hidden from us over the years. Things that would have been helpful and beneficial and made us live in the way that we were intended to live, but they couldn't have that. Some and shift happened, and we should and and capitalism, and here we are, and <laughs> oh, it's just awful. <laughs> but when we um. Like when you kind of understand the world and you realize, you know, the same song and dance that the capitalists try to pull off on us, you know, and a lot of people fall for it. The distractions, the dog and pony show, but you know, they do the same thing over and over and over again. It yeah. repeats itself. Chomsky has said before that, you know, a lot of people don't uh, study history because it tells you too much. You know, they don't want us to look at history. They want us, they're counting on us to be ignorant. They're counting yes. on us to have yes. amnesia. Yes, they are. To not well, see And, and not only counting on us, they've spent a lot of money to make sure it happened. Yeah. We are manipulated constantly. We are manipulated every single second. Every yep. time we have on any kind of media, they can manipulate us with the frequencies in the sound that they put out to dumb us down, to dull us down. They put it in our water, they put it in our food, they put it in. So when you get irritated with everyone around you, just try and remember that they have a whole, all this stuff working against them. And that we, blessed or cursed, aren't susceptible to it anymore, you know? But there, there's, there's, they have a lot working against them. They, they, people invest a lot of money to keep people sleeping. So yeah, billions you know, of dollars we, is invested yep. in controlling the public mind every year, and that is yep. tax free because advertisement is a tax write off. So we pay for the privilege to have our brains yep. rotted. 
Yes, it's a constant manipulation. We are bombarded in every possible way. We really are. And and it's, you know, uh, religion is a manipulation and a bombardment, you know. Uh, the capitalism, though, that's a religion. That free market will solve absolutely. all. You know, that's that's like a religion. That's their favorite religious doctrine. It's just like, oh, let's deregulate the government or let's deregulate the financial system and the finance and the uh, market will solve all. And, of course, they, they yeah. know that capitalism has never existed and it couldn't exist uh, because, um, you know, it's too destructive. So what we get is, you know, neoliberalism, which is essentially socialism for the rich and free markets, rugged free markets for everyone else, because the rich yeah. have never been in favor of free markets. That, that would be too risky. So what they want is a right. high, highly protected state that provides them, uh, that provides them essentially uh, a duopoly or a, uh, or I think it's called an oligopoly, an oligopoly or a monopoly, and essentially, you know, a handful of firms control every sector of the economy, and especially as it relates to, let's say, pharma, uh, pharmacological companies, big pharma, they get monopolistic pricing rights, even though they get billions of dollars of, of, in public funding every year to come up with these drugs, and then, you know, they essentially, they uh, have price monopolistic rights, you know, so they can charge whatever they want, and most Americans, especially Especially the 30 million Americans that, um, you know, don't have health care can't afford these drugs. So, right. um, well, that, you know, that's, that's the system we have. I'm, I've been working, um, well, I've been working with herbs for a really long time. I'm also an aspiring herbalist because I feel that we have everything we need right here. We have everything we need. Everything that we, pharma is not going to cure you of anything. All they do is create customers. That's all they do. So the more we can stay away from that, the better. The more we can grow our own herbs. You know, I'm in an apartment. I just grow them in pots. I'm not saying everybody can do it. But, you know, once they get into your life and into your pocketbook, it's over. Yeah, I don't think there's any substitute for, like, um, you know, good sleep every night, maybe a little bit of exercise, good diet. Yeah, I don't think any pill can suffice for that. No, and it really can't. And and like I've been on different antidepressants. Um, it didn't do me good. I had to work through a, a ton of trauma. A yeah. pill wasn't going to do it. You know, a, a pill rarely will unless you have um, a chemical imbalance. I mean, it, if it works for people, please do take it. Yes, but I tried many different ones. Now I've I just do my um, medical marijuana, and it it works. Very well for me, and I'm nine years uh, since I've had a drink, and I just, you know, but I, I had to work through some stuff. And if we had universal health care, people wouldn't be walking around unhealed the way they are, which is another contributing factor to the reason that people act the way they do. And I do want to say one thing about the um, about Israel too, as we look around and wonder why people are doing what they're doing. Don't ever forget, Mossad was behind Epstein. Don't ever forget, the Epstein client list has the names of all these people that are behaving in this way, even if it goes against everybody's best interest, including their own. They're protecting themselves because Israel has dirt on them. I do want to say uh, about the Israel and the APAC, I think there's a lot of... Um, 
misinformation maybe about the strength of the Israeli lobby. The way I see Israel, they are a client state of the United States. I tweeted some of this stuff yesterday. Essentially, they fall in line. You know, whenever the master says something, they, they fall in line and they do it. They obey. Uh, Israel would not exist without um, U.S. economic, military, um, ideological, or um, political support. Um, so the Israeli and the well, APAC lobby. Israel is, Israel is also perpetrating that because they have said for a long time that America is their puppet. <laughs> I don't think that's true, though. I don't see it that way. I think that, uh, yeah, I think the U.S. power interests could crush APAC if they really wanted to. One of the reasons I think that APAC seems strong is because the military-industrial complex and big oil are Props, are in support. Yeah, they support Israel's existence because it allows the United States to have uh, a military stronghold in the Middle East. Essentially, Israel right. is a um, military outpost for U.S. power, uh, and it allows right. the United States to control the Middle East and the oil reserves there by force. And even if the United States was um, energy independent, it would still want to control the uh, world's oil reserves because uh, in an oil-based economy, if you control the oil, you control the world. So that's the way I see it. Okay. Um, but if, let's say, the, the, the military lobby or big oil, for whatever reason, wanted to crush Israel or wanted to um, divest in Israel, uh, it would cease to exist. But the reason it seems powerful is because the rich and powerful in this country, the power centers of the United States, are in support of Israel and its, and its existence because it's very loyal to um, U.S. power. Uh, it knows it's a client state, and that's essentially what the United States wants in Ukraine as well. Zelensky came out and said that you know they essentially want to be a second Israel. They want to be just like Israel, which I think would be terrible for the world. I think one Israel is too many already. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So let's go to your political evolution. Let's go to pre-Bernie. I think I was just kind of confused, and I think that's what the you know those in power want. They wanted to keep people ignorant, misinformed, that sort of thing. So I was kind of confused. I actually looked into some right-wing Glenn Beck stuff. Uh, I always oh kind of my. considered myself a <laughs> <laughs> I considered myself like a Democrat, but I was like confused. I'm like you know maybe an independent. I was no, like I don't I really like just, either of these two. I just two. did the party line. I was yeah. I was raising kids. I was an alcoholic. I had a lot going on um i just kind of voted democrat because you know my family did and because from the outside it looked good looked fine it's fine you know because i was just like many people i was just living my life so i voted twice for obama and um all the liberals can shut up because i even voted for hillary oh wow when she lost, because yeah. like I said, I was just like, a, I was just doing what I thought I should do. You yeah. know, the lesser of two evils, which I think they're both very evil. Well, but yeah, I didn't, generally, I didn't even know that much. Yeah. I did, I wasn't even paying attention. I wasn't politically aware at all. Not at all. That's what they but, want, though. They want us to just kind of sleep. I didn't have life. the access, though, at the time. Yeah. I, re I really didn't. It was it was pre-internet. Yeah. You know, I, I was raising kids. I was poor. I did. I didn't have any of that. So that's my excuse. Um, and then when I, let's see, so I was aware of Bernie in 2016, but then when that fell through, I voted for Hillary. Then in 2020, I didn't get on the Bernie train at first because I was just like, oh, they'll never allow it. They will never allow him to do this. But then somebody said something about universal pre-K, universal child care. And that's 
That's what got me because pretty much every country in the world has except here in the United States, which is just a complete joke. So I got, I got on the train with it, uh, you know, uh, not, not me, us. And I, I got, um, I started the internet thing with a Bernie page on Facebook and had a couple, uh, viral posts on there. And, um, then. I tried out Twitter and I got banned because of Alyssa Milano. And then I came back and um, my account has just um, grown kind of steadily for the past three years. And then here recently, I all of a sudden feel like I've been seen for some reason. And um, I get a lot of responses from my posts and um, new followers like every single day. And um, I just think it's great because before we had so many of us, you know, so many purity tests, we were disagreeing about everything and it was disheartening and I never felt like we were going to come together. And now this has happened and everybody's on the same page. Everybody, yeah. everybody, just literally everybody's on the same page. Nobody's fighting about anything. Nobody, this is it. This is the purity test. This is it. And it just, I, I, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I see a lot of positives. I think people are coming together. I think there is nothing we can do alone. You know, we can't do anything against concentrated wealth and power. Yeah. We'll get crushed. So we have to join with others. And, uh, you know, I'm an anarchist, but I'll join with, you know, neoliberals against, you know, maybe Republicans. I will join uh, with the communists, even though the Soviet Union was a dungeon the way I see it. I certainly don't want to live under a system of government like the Soviet Union and it collapse from within, as all empires do. If the United States ever collapses, it will also collapse from within. The de- uh, the, those in power know that the biggest enemy to any system of power, to any government, is the domestic population, which is why they need to keep us ignorant and propagandized and why yeah. they use violence. Uh, essentially, you know, the, the domestic police force uh, is... Um, you know, uh, the security forces, which Biden has been in support of his entire career. Yeah. Um, if they have to, they can use force to keep us in line, and they have been, yeah. you know, and they continue to do so. Uh, the world, or the United States, is also a leading prison state, the prison industrial complex. Yeah. More people are behind bars here, both by rate and in number, than any other country in the world. Uh, we pr- surpassed the Soviet Union a long time ago, uh, which, again, I, I and, and Chomsky also compares as a dungeon state. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good things uh, here in America, and I see a lot of positives and organization in this pro-Palestinian, pro-Gaza stuff, which is great, uh, but there's still a lot of things we need to change, uh, not just uh, internationally in terms of, um, you know, the U.S.'s uh, military-industrial complex and the way and it, its use of violence all over the world to advance an elite agenda, but also domestically, too. I mean, we have huge needs here. We have tons of money for more wars, yeah. two proxy wars, all kinds of stuff going on, and yet there still is a homelessness crisis here. There's a hunger and food shortage crisis here. Um, you know, a poverty and wealth inequality, not uh, unlike any other country in the industrialized world, it's worse here than in Europe by far. Um, you know, education, the $2 trillion student loan debt. Uh, again, I just mentioned the prison industrial complex, private prisons, um, you know, the drug war, which is also a race war, the war mm-hmm. on terror. Um, you know, it's just it's just a lot of bad stuff going going on here. But I think if we slowly 
dismantle it um, piece by piece and come together, um, we can take it on. But um, unfortunately, the way I see leftist politics, working class politics, it's always an uphill battle against uh, concentrated wealth and power. On the pre-call, um, we had mentioned uh, um, some, you know, uh, uh, domestic terrorism. Essentially, there was the Blair Mountain strike in West Virginia, where like ten thousand yeah. strikers were uh, demanding better pay and, and better, um, you know, conditions, working conditions. Uh, and the security forces came together and you know used violence and even bombed them. You know, I think that was the first yeah. instance of of bombing of a, a domestic population. This happened after the Civil War, but this type type of stuff happens all the time. Just like what we're seeing happen in Gaza, that kind of ethnic cleansing stuff. The U.S. is in support of all the time. Throughout history, settler colonialism, uh, what America was founded on. Uh, you had mentioned in the pre-call what happened in Philadelphia. I, I, I kind of briefly remember reading about some of this stuff, but I'm not too well versed on it. Why don't you bring it up again? Uh, there were some, uh, I don't know that there were Black Panthers and Black Radicals, quote, unquote. Yeah, Radicals, quote, right. <laughs> uh, family living in <clears throat> In Philadelphia, this is a move bombing. Uh-huh. Um, and I believe there were even pregnant women there. There, there may, may have been like five or 10 people. I'm not sure all the facts. Many of your listeners know yeah. of, of it though. And they bombed the whole city block to get to them, to, to eliminate them. They told the fire department to stand down. And uh, I believe they probably evacuated the surrounding civilians, but they let the entire city block burn and bombed their own people. And this was in the 60s, I believe. So please don't yell at me for not getting all the facts straight, but (laughs) I think it's important for me to bring it up. If I'm wrong, look it up. Because it does exist. <laughs> so, and if Israel is responsible, you know, they would probably say, "Hey, you know, the the people that died, they were just human shields." You know, as they kind of continue yeah. to propagandize the innocent civilians that are dying uh, every day in Gaza, and obviously just the genocide and ethnic cleansing going on there. Uh, it's not stopping terrorism; it's increasing it. Uh, Israel is a leading terrorist state, and it is creating terrorists faster than it can slaughter innocent Palestinians. I can. Well, I, and, I tweeted and that they yesterday. create them in that way, and they're also creating it by calling everyone a terrorist now. Oh yeah, no, no, there's no. So essentially, terrorism is you know if you do it to us, it's terrorism. This is you know the, the, the ruling class decides who's terrorist and who's not. If you do it if to you us, that's terrorism. Agree with if, the ruling class. Right. If, if we do it against you, well, that's just anti-terrorism. Terrorism, and you're just a human shield if, uh, unfortunately, right. innocent civilians die. But if you fight back, yeah, see, that's You're also a terrorist. Out. You might go to Guantanamo Bay. So, yeah, I'm sure that there's, uh, you know, maybe some people, uh, you know, in the Middle East that attack U.S. troops for invading their lands. If they, you know, maybe some children throw rocks at some troops there, they can get right, taken right. to Guantanamo Bay without charges and rot there, and maybe even tortured. And this this is why I brought up my my past with my abuse and stuff like that, because this stuff triggers me immensely. And I know it triggers other people, too. Um, So that that's why I talk about it is because the the overreaction to to the least little bit of you standing up for yourself. Yeah. The least little bit of you feeling your own humanity and they will squash you like a bug. And I I know it's triggering because so many of us have been through this stuff because I'm no different from anybody else. And and that's the only reason why I bring it up because 
I want to address it because we're feeling it. We have to feel it. We have to go through it because this is a very traumatic time. We're already traumatized further than we even realize. And this is a very traumatic time and we have to deal with that and feel that and go through it because to come to the other side, I just don't, I, I just think what I'm seeing is undeniable. They have to be scared. They have to be. Oh yeah. I think the, I think they're on the pulse of, uh, you know, those in power in the United States they are on the pulse of the population and we're constantly pulled with all kinds of stuff. They're monitoring social media. They're spying on us. They're, they're well yeah. aware of what's going on. But, uh, yeah, uh, we got like maybe two minutes to go. Um, you know, Gen X, G mom, Kate, uh, why don't you take us out? You can promote whatever you want. Where can people find you? Anything you want to say here? Uh, I appreciate your time. Go ahead. Well, I just want to, uh, I want to say hello to everybody who's listening. And um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that we have each other. And because uh, stuff's happening and we have to just stay strong. It's a marathon, not a race. It's an uphill battle. I hope uh, one day, you know, maybe I'll see victory in this, you know, struggle against, um, you know, wealth and power and domination and control. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we gotta we gotta stick together and we gotta take them on. We do because, they we, do because we have to keep momentum, and it's so easy to get uh, pushed down, and that's what they depend on because they can always abuse us when we're alone. We got to so back much. up. We got to keep fighting. Not so much when we're all together. No doubt. Gen X, Gmom, Kate, it was a pleasure. Let's stay in contact. Maybe we'll do this again someday. That would be great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Shout out to Drowning Dog and Malatesta for the show Music. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out. Look here, ah! Who are you when there's no one looking? Riddles and fears.
fiction, forced perspective and contradiction, pseudo signs and a whole lot of ass, life comes fast, tricks for the trade, terrorize the people, throw them in a cage, straw men hey, necessary to keep the face, keep the pace, keep us with our hands up, democracy, the rich are leading, the propaganda, they kicking that sand up, can't see, got us fucked up, but we gotta get paid.